0: Our second message today, we have full sermon on most appropriately the first day of unleavened bread by our pastor, Mr. Lawrence Gregory. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. We're blessed to be here today in Holy Assembly before God on Tuesday. What is normal work hour and a work day for those not in the Church of God, for most others, this is a regular day of work for them, but we know this day is the first day of unleavened bread. Now there are many biblical instructions, lessons, and reasons we're here today. We will have a note as I go through this message today of a few of those points, just a few. And we'll see from time to time, from year to year as we progress throughout our life, many messages, many lessons many different points that we're not going to cover on today. Ron touched on a few, I'll touch on a few more. This year, I don't have any charts, maps, diagrams, illustrations. I've gone through that past years, showing the trekking of the Israel from Egypt to the Promised Land and uh, certain days of significance. We'll look at a few of those, uh, but I have nine points And before you uh, panic, those nine points can be covered in a few verses and then we're going to come back and expound on a few of those verses. Let's turn as we traditionally do to see these holy days and just a few that we're concerned about here in the spring, Leviticus the 23rd chapter, verse 4 through 8. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their season. In the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. In the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. So, at this time we're going to examine nine of those points that are in these few verses. And the first four I I've spent times in past years expounding point by point by point and emphasizing and going to the Hebrew and and using illustrations and examples and other scriptures but uh, For sake of maybe some who might uh, have not have heard this before or have not been here, we'll just review a little bit of uh, these first four points. And uh, these are some of the English words that we have from the Hebrew. Now, the first one is the word feasts of the Lord. This is the Hebrew word chad, and it means a people-like festival, Uh, a festival, a solemnity, a sacrifice. So we use that interchangeably. Now the world likes to have their feasts, their festivals, many nations. In fact, I saw in the paper this morning about another country that was having a festival and they were all dressing up and decorating that. And we like to have in the world, outside the church even, they like to have certain festivals or feasts And you can think of uh, a lot of the examples of where that might be so. The next word here is holy convocation. And this word convocation is mikra, and it means assembly, rehearsal. Now, we're here assembled before God in command by Him to rehearse, to act out, to live out in attitude and example some of the great blessings that God is going to bestow upon us and we're here in a convocation in a holy assembly this is holy, this is holy time, this is holy place and this is a holy occasion the next word is proclaim and that word kara from the Hebrew and it means and and you can go into your uh, Hebrew uh, exhaustive concordances and check out these words later on your own study but this word is called out accost Preach, And that's what we're to do on this day. We are to proclaim, we are to preach, and we are to accost. And sometimes the things that we hear are not pleasant, but they're important and significant for us to be rebuked, to be scolded, to be corrected, to be encouraged, to be rejoicing as we share the Word of God from Him to us through His Spokesmen that are preaching, accosting, that are inviting, and that are covering uh, this word of God, preaching it to those of us who are assembled here. The next word, fourth one here, is seasons. And this is the word moed. And it means an appointed time or season. Here again, the world likes to have their holiday season, they like to have their season of time. We can think of the great season at the end of the year in December, you know. That's the great fall, winter, season time, and I always sympathize with those f- poor folks down in Australia from the world that are observing Christmas in summertime. That's their summertime there, and they I guess they have reindeer and, and summer snow or whatever. I don't know how they explain that season in the southern hemisphere like that. Some of you might know and maybe. Uh, explain it to me later. I'm not sympathizing with the celebration. I'm just saying the people who are observing that season, that holiday time, uh, they have some adjustments and they have some uh, occasion to uh, consider, you know, what all that means to them uh, apart from uh, and uh, in a different uh, season than they're used to. Now, that's just four of the first four points. We've covered these in more detail and if you want to go back, we have... uh, catalogs of messages on the website going back a dozen years or so, you can, you can follow up uh, many of the speakers who have covered some of those uh, points. Now, uh, as we progress through here, let's, let's uh, transfer to the New Testament for a few minutes and consider uh, what Paul had to say about this time that we're considering of the exodus from Egypt as Israel uh, went out, and we'll consider some of those uh, different phrases that we're familiar with. First uh, Corinthians, the tenth chapter, and in verse eleven. 1 Corinthians, the tenth chapter. We've we've uh, referred to these many times, eleven through twelve. First Corinthians, ten. Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, um, when we are absent, such will be, I think I wrote the wrong scripture down on this. uh, Let me see if, i get in the right chapter here. Some of these pages separated. Excuse me, just a moment here. All right. Let's. Uh, what I was just going to say is that uh, we use the scriptures and the uh, travels of Israel as an example for us that we learn. Let's go uh, back up a little bit here. In uh, You know, I might have been in 2 Corinthians. Yes. Thanks for your help, someone out there. Shout out a little louder uh, if, uh, if you like. We'll go to 1 Corinthians. Let me read those. 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. Now, I was in 2 Corinthians. Excuse me. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples. This is what I wanted to read. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. So we know this is a time that we examine ourselves. We sometimes aren't very happy with our self-consideration and self-examination. Sometimes we realize that there are things that we need to change and we need to grow out of and we need to uh, advance beyond some of the stagnant uh, attitudes that we might have. So... Paul is encouraging us to examine and to look at the example, the illustration, the types of what happened when Israel left Egypt. We can learn a lot from those types and parallel examples. We call them metaphors and examples. Uh, Let's back up to the fifth chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians. And uh, verse 6 through 8. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not? That a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so, we know, and you can uh, refer, refer back to Steve's message yesterday and other previous messages where he was talking about Jesus is the Lamb of God and the importance and significance. We'll talk a little bit later about the relationship between Passover and unleavened bread and uh, tie those together. So uh, we're instructed here to keep the feast and especially the feast of unleavened bread. Now Ron touched a little bit on the, in the first message about leavening, unleavening, And uh, the difference in uh, bread and why we eat it and why we don't and what we eat during this time. But uh, let's look at some things that Jesus said in Matthew, the 16th chapter. And then we'll look at what Paul said also about leavening to help us understand a little bit about uh, the relationship here and what we are thinking about in these uh, parallel times. Matthew, the 16th chapter and verse 6. Jesus was talking to uh, the disciples in, and Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they were reasoning, Well, it's because we didn't take bread that that he's talking about this uh, bread. But then in verse 12, when Jesus began to explain it, Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, He wasn't specifically talking here about, uh, be careful about eating leavened bread, but he had a different point. He had a metaphor, he had an illustration, he had a type, a spiritual analogy, a comparison of uh, what he really meant. So he wasn't talking about the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So Jesus is warning them and he's warning us, listen, brethren, we've got to be careful of the teachings about the Bible, the books that are written. When I was a little boy they used to say, don't believe everything in the newspaper. Don't believe everything you've read. Don't believe everything you read. Now, I've got a lot of books, and a lot of them, sometimes people ask me, have you read everything in those books? I said, well, some of them I've read a lot of times. Some of them I hardly ever read because there might be just a little bit in one of those books that's significant, or important, or good. The rest of it is just ignored. So we've got to be careful about the teachings and the doctrines and the explanation and the questioning. And I don't mind questions. I don't mind the challenge of of answering. And the truth will stand on its own merits. And the truth will be uh, exposed by truth-tellers. But liars will tell lies. And so we have to be careful about what we read, what we hear, especially in the religious realm. Now, be careful about the... Leaven of false doctrine of religious leaders. Listen, be very careful about that. I know we admire maybe some of these fellows, but uh, you wonder how and why they don't see the truth. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Well, that's for God to judge them, and they'll have to give an account of that. But we have to be careful about that. Jesus warned us about that. Now, in First Corinthians, the fifth chapter, let's go back there because we read over quickly. But we want to focus and look again on uh, something else there, First Corinthians, the 5th chapter. This is where, you know, accosting comes in, where we speak a little sternly and warnings. And I know some people don't like it. They, they like to hear smooth, nice things, new something new and different. But uh, we review. We rehearse. That's why we're here. We're rehearsing and reviewing over and over and over every year going on. Uh, sometimes new uh, territory, sometimes old territory, uh, reviewing and rehearsing what we already know a lot of times over the many years. Verse 8, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, we throw that old leaven out, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. So here's two more explanations of malice and wickedness. False doctrine bad attitude, wrong, evil, wicked. There's a lot of wickedness in the world. We leave that behind. We leave that Egypt. We leave that sin. We leave that bondage. That's what leavening and unleavening, when we throw out that leaven, we get rid of that puffed up, that fermentation process, that agitation that's going on that Ron was touch- touching on a little bit, and we Keep then the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So, we um, have spiritual analogies and metaphors. Now, metaphor, let me, let me explain this. We know. A metaphor is a figure of speech by which a word or phrase denotes a likeness between two things. So, we have a metaphor of leaven of Wickedness and evil and malice and and, uh, false teachings. Now, we'll go on and go back to points E, F, and S. And uh, we want to uh, consider here a few days of the months. It's interesting, not the day, but the date. It's interesting this year, and I haven't gone back and compared previous years or or future years, but I don't recall. Uh, I know, you know, the holy days varied throughout the... uh, uh, month March and April of the, the spring holidays but the Passover on the 14th from the 13th to the 14th and then the 15th the first day of Unleavened Bread and then the 21st the first month the instructions were remember the 14th the 15th the 21st and so we have the same the dates this year are the same but the days are different because then it was Tuesday, Wednesday sometimes uh, and and very similar to the week of the Uh, sacrifice of Jesus Tuesday, Wednesday, that Passover week Uh, very similar and very same the week of the days as to the Exodus the same dates lined up I've gone through that with charts and explained all of that but I thought it was interesting that the dates this year of the 13th, 14th, 15th and the 21st are significant so now Exodus the 12th uh, chapter let's go back there Exodus 12, and we'll read a few verses here. 12, 3 through 6. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house, And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. So count and say we can have so many guests over because this lamb is this size and it will accommodate not 100 people but maybe 8 or 10 or whatever. And so if there's two or three in a family then they can invite uh, other families so they can get together enough so that... uh, it would be uh, fellowship and utilizing and uh, a lot of planning going just like the ladies were planning uh, how much and food to get for the group that was here last night for our meal and uh, a lot of planning goes into that just as they did there. Now remember they're in their homes, they're in Egypt. Uh, Your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. Keep it up until f- at the end of the 13th, at the beginning of the 14th. Now, uh, there is uh, a, a number of uh, books that are written and are helpful on the phrases, uh, Bar Erev and Erev, and uh, that show which evening is talking about, because the evening, remember the evening and the morning were the first day, and generally, and you observe uh, in Leviticus the day of atonement from even unto even so at the beginning of night is the beginning of the day then the day part is the day part then it ends at evening of the next day so keep it up until the 14th from the 13th until like we came here at the beginning of the 14th before uh, to keep the Passover and uh, they kill it in the evening and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door of the house wherein they shall eat. And uh, there's more instructions about Passover. We're not going to go into that right now. But let's go on to verse uh, 15 here. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day, that's today, there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in it, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. As we, uh, certain things in, in the assembly here that we have to do in a meal preparation, and uh, we... Uh, We know that uh, verse 29 through 36. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captives that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. So firstborn man of the families and firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night. Now, this is important. The reason I'm, I'm reading this about the Passover is because there's a connection we'll see with unleavened bread that's very important. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people. Both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord, as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders, and the children of Israel did according to the word of the Lord, the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Now, uh, let me read a couple more verses and then some comment. Now, the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years, and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is the, that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations, and so we call it the night to be much observed. N t b m o. That's what I call it: night to be much observed, and uh, we call it sometimes the night to be remembered. But it's it, it is to be remembered. And there's a lot in the scriptures we won't focus on today in this message about remembering, remembering all the way, remembering all those illustrations and examples. Now, some teach as. Um, others and I won't, I won't mention. Some teach that the Passover should be on the 15th, uh, that uh, Israel spoiled the Egyptians on the 13th and then they killed the Passover lamb uh, at the end of the 14th and begin to eat it on the 15th and there are many today that believe that um, the Passover should be observed on the 15th. that's That would be uh, the beginning of the first, what we call the first day of unleavened bread, which it says. and one man told me, well, uh, what we should do is we should have the Passover on the 15th in one facility, and then after we eat the Passover, then go to another facility and have the night to be much observed, do a lot of rejoicing and eating, and, you know, that would be pretty difficult. We got out of here last night about, what, 9.30, 10, some of you probably 10.30, 11 o'clock, the, the people who are serving and, and cleaning up and preparing for today, the and uh, then to go to another facility, and start rejoicing with the high hand, that would be, it just wouldn't fit. So uh, you have to go back and consider that uh, we do it according to Scripture, according as we see, the beginning of the 14th, from the end of the 13th to the 14th is the Passover. Then the night to be much observed is at the beginning of the 15th, and then the day part, we're here today observing the first day of unleavened bread in the daytime setting, and then the 21st, which will be next Monday, seven days later, will be the last day of Unleavened Bread, the seventh day of Unleavened Bread. Now, if you connect the Passover and the seven days of Unleavened Bread, that's an eight-day period. Same thing in the Feast of Tabernacles, starting the 15th and the 21st is seven days of Feast of Tabernacles, and then on the 22nd is the eighth day, the last great day, an eight-day period. There's significance of the numbers in the scripture and uh, we won't go into that. We've gone into the past about the number 8 and significance and the number 7 and the number 10 and the number 15 and the number 21. There's, there's a lot of significance, 42, and uh, uh, they have uh, importance to God is uh, numbers and names. So now we've looked at uh, 5, 6, and 7, E, F, EF and G. And Now let's go to uh, uh, another point here. And... Uh, I'm going to touch on this briefly because Steve's already covered this about the Lamb of God and Christ our Passover but let's let's look again in uh, 1 Corinthians 11th chapter and I told uh, uh, Brian that I wouldn't necessarily have to show all of these scriptures because I'm going to just refer to them and talk about them and just cover them rather quickly but 1 Corinthians 11th chapter verse 20-22 we're told that Passover is not a meal. We don't come forward to eat a meal. We've explained why. We eat before we come. We eat the emblems of bread and wine, but not a uh, lamb, not a sacrifice, not a big meal. We don't eat that at the uh, Passover ceremony. We do, as Jesus said, foot washing and uh, bread and wine. It's a time in Exodus, the 12th chapter, verse 42, 47, and 28, when we examine ourselves and we keep it. Now, Remember the Old Testament scripture was no uncircumcised, no foreigner, no alien was to keep the Passover. If they kept the Passover, they had to be circumcised and had to become a part of the nation of Israel. The Old Testament forbid uh, non-Israelites who were foreigners and strangers and uncircumcised to keep the Passover with them. They just weren't, weren't permitted. In the Church of God, we say that the unconverted should not be keeping the Passover with us. They can come and observe, but to take the emblems of the New Testament, they need to be baptized, believe in Jesus Christ, the Father, have the Holy Spirit, be an overcomer, be converted to participate in the Passover. I'm not making a big point of that. I'm just saying that the restrictions in the Old Testament the spiritual analogies and type and metaphor and and application as we advance and progress from uh, basic primary essential teachings into more advanced typologies and scriptural application from the physical into the spiritual we see why that is so. And uh, the Lord's Passover, it was eaten in haste that night. They were They were ready to leave early the next morning when they were told. Now, going back to the 13th, they couldn't spoil the Egyptians before they were told to get out. Would you go while you're still in bondage and captive to the Egyptians and expect them to give you back what you're entitled to for for lack of payment and to borrow from them? Uh, No, they had to be wrenched out of, thrust out, driven out, led out, brought out, They had to go out. All of these illustrations uh, are used in the scriptures. There's a combination. God doing His part in bringing them out, and man, part of it, thrusting them out and getting rid of them. And the other part was getting ready to go and, and having the attitude that they were going to go. There was a lot of excitement. High hand. They were leaving Egypt. They were going to the Promised Land. They thought they'd be there in a few days, in a few weeks. They didn't realize they had 40 years of experiences ahead of them. And uh, so Jesus is the Lamb of God. We know that. He is, by designation of the Scriptures, John the Baptist pointed out this was the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Now, I'm just going to leave this because Steve had a, a wonderful message. You can go back and review his sermon yesterday about this topic and subject. But Christ is our Passover sacrifice for us. He leads immediately from the Passover into the first day of unleavened bread. We put out leaven. It's a type of sin, a type of bondage, a type of being in uh, Egypt. We eat, which is symbolical, uh, a spiritual metaphor, an illustration, an advancement from basic into uh, more profound, deeper spiritual intent of uh, doing, of putting off sin, of overcoming, of growing, of, of living righteously. And so, what if we just accepted and believed in Jesus and we stopped for? We just said, well, that's it. I don't have to overcome. I don't have to grow. I don't have to advance. I don't have to uh, go undergo all these experiences. They didn't know what was ahead of them. You, you know, many of us remember when we were baptized? We had excitement. We had enthusiasm. But it was a bittersweet experience because we what am I getting into? Who are these guys from out this college out there in California? They, uh, they're a little different. And uh, I told you before when, when I was baptized, I left my Bible in my car because I'd been marking in it and coloring it. My mom, my mother told me, she says, you're desecrating the Word of God doing that. So I was a little bit embarrassed and ashamed that my Bible was beginning to be marked up. Not this one, but another one. And uh, when I got out there to see their counseling, and I saw their Bibles (laughs) all wrinkled because they'd been in the rain, and it was colored and marked. Boy, I went to town on mine. I thought, if they can do it, so can I. And I thought that was a good idea. And uh, so that's the way we are. When we're baptized, we we don't know what's ahead of us. We don't know the experiences. Sometimes there's really difficult, traumatic, difficult handicaps and problems, financial and, and other times there's great blessings and good and a mixed, it's all mixed up, isn't it? They didn't know what they were getting into. For They thought, hey, it's just going to like a piece of cake, I'm going to leave here, uh, we'll go trekking up here, it's a really camp out, you know, and we'll take our cattle and our herds and they don't want us anymore in Egypt and that's good riddance on those guys, we're going to go up here where it's better. But they didn't know what they were going to have to experience of good and bad for 40 years. And so we have uh, the opportunity for God to uh, help us and to be with us and to uh, lead us. Uh, I said, you know, those phrases, uh, Ron touched on them a little bit, uh, but we could remember. Out of Egypt, departed, brought out, thrust out, went out all of these combination of phrases that show what was going on as Israel was leaving Egypt. And then we think of ourselves and the spiritual analogy and the uh, act that we are doing as we're leaving sin and bondage in Egypt and overcoming and growing and advancing, looking to the kingdom of God, not to the promised land of Canaan, but a spiritual kingdom. And yes, on this earth and all that we, we uh, understand it. Now, uh, let's go again to the New Testament. And this is the uh, eighth point we're going to look at here. Uh, Acts, the 12th chapter. You know, you uh, as time approaches, uh, speakers know you start uh, gathering material and thinking and letting things mature. And you, you cast off and you reject. And you think of, all the many messages and all the things you could say that just time doesn't permit. Maps, charts, illustrations, tying it down, showing exactly. And so we just have to, sometimes because of time constraints, speak in uh, generalities here. But uh, let's go to Acts, the, if I can get there, you're already there, Acts 12. Uh, well, Brian's quick on that computer there. Mm-hmm. I know, he, you're ahead of me. Acts, the 12th chapter, and uh, verse uh, 3 this was at the time 10-12 uh, 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 years after Pentecost when uh, Herod killed James uh, the brother of John with the sword and because he saw it please the Jews he proceeded further to take Peter also and in parentheses, Luke is writing then were the days of unleavened bread now why, what is significance? Why mention in the scriptures to readers who are Gentile and, and uh, Jewish and Christian of all nations of this earth, and it's a record in there for several thousand years, it's the word of God. Then were the days of unleavened bread. I think it's important and significant. Now go on to Acts the twentieth chapter. We'll just skip up here a number of years ahead to verse 6 and we it says uh, verse 5 these going before tarried for us at Troas now Luke had been absent from Paul in his preaching for about 7 years he had been in Philippi and Paul had been traveling around uh, for 7 years without Luke now Luke has joined them again and uh, he is saying we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. And uh, then upon the first day of the week, they came together uh, to eat uh, bread and so forth. So here again is another mention to Christians. Paul and his party, there's some significance that they were there and they waited till after the days of unleavened bread to continue their sailing. So we have... Uh, Many other uh, references of other holy days where the church, Apostle Paul, the Church of God, the apostles were keeping the holy days. Uh, if you can, if you ever have a copy of uh, the uh, book History of the Sabbath, uh, you'll see a lot of reference to the church in the early days. It's significant. The writer, I don't think he really intended because he did a lot of research in the Vatican libraries to uh, write this book, History of the Sabbath, but he has a lot of references in there about the church observing the holy days. And then the false church, which became Catholicism, beginning to uh, emulate some of these holidays and holy days and begin to mix them up and call them holidays and uh, Sunday is the Sabbath, rather than the true Sabbath and the true holy days that the members of the Church of God, true Christian converts, were keeping, contrary to the pagan, large uh, false church observance that was doing Sunday and holidays, and so that's just a, that's just a side I wasn't uh, was in my notes to mention, but uh, happened to think of that. Uh, now, let's uh, let's go back to the Old Testament in Luke and pardon me in Leviticus the twenty third chapter. Let's go back there. It sure is hard when you're discussing the holy days to get out of Leviticus the 23rd chapter it's, it's such a uh, chapter covering all the holy days Leviticus 23 verse 6 again and on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord seven days you must eat unleavened bread now there's other scriptures that says you shall eat it you must eat it this is something that we know over the years we don't have a choice we're told by God you must eat it 7 days so 7 days we eat whatever you eat tacos or triscuits or matzos or rye crisp you know it's it's hard to getting harder to find rye crisp remember that was about the only thing many of us long-time, I don't want to say old members, but many of us long-time church members, that's all you could find was matzo, was uh, Rite Crisp. And I love that seasoned Rite Crisp, but it's getting harder. Uh, I think Karina owns it now. Uh, they, they're big in dog food and cat food, but uh, <laughs> Purina Chow, but uh, I think they own Rite Crisp Company now. And it's, do you know, how many of you know where to get Rite Crisp? I think you can get it at Petty's, Uh, They were out when I went there. Uh, Reesers. I went to several Reesers, Warehouse Market, Harps. They don't have it. They didn't understand. What? Are you talking about Ritz? No, Rycris, R-Y-K-R-I-S-P. They don't. Which Reesers stock it? Oh, in Broken Arrow? Okay. Uh, If you, uh, Aiken's Health uh, health Foods, uh, no, Petty's over on Utica. They generally have it, but they were out. I guess other people like us like rye Crisp. So have, you, have any of you had trouble? F- I know some of you may not like rye Crisp. You had so much of it <laughs> that you don't want it anymore. But uh, it's, uh, it's good. You must eat it. Uh, Exodus 12, chapter verse 15 says, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread and put it out of your house. Fortunately, uh, my son, one of my sons, lives in an apartment complex, and they've got a big dumpster. And because he lives there, he can put trash in that dumpster. So uh, if I don't, the last day, if the, if the trash truck doesn't come on the right time, now he came today, they're coming today at Tuesday, so I wanted to get rid of it last night, the last little bit of leavening that Janice was uh, getting ready to uh, bag up. And he came by and, and got that sack before sundown and put it in his dumpster. Sometimes I go to the city park, take a little sack of it, and put it in their trash can, and uh, because it says get rid of it, get it out of your house, get it out of your soul. So we know the significance. Now, here's this is not just a physical thing we go through, and we have a lot of fun. The kids, this is a profound spiritual application because. After we accept the, and after we eat the Passover and we enter into that new covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, and He's living in us, and we're growing and advancing and overcoming, so we got to be fully obedient to God. Remember, the, when we ate the Passover, it was they were to uh, cook it with fire. All the pertinences, all the inner—this was an exception where the inner organs were roasted. And they ate of those. Now, normally, when you would butcher, you would get rid of the uh, uh, organs that you're not going to eat, entrails and things like that. But the Passover was to be all cooked. That means our whole being, our whole... Jesus Christ was the lamb, totally committed to God and us and, in, and perfection. Never a man walked this earth, we've said that before, except Jesus Christ, who is perfect. We're to be like him, And it takes a lot of years. Some of us, God has to work on for a long time. And some of the new ones, maybe God can hammer uh, real quickly and heater uh, easier and hotter, heater, hotter, uh, with uh, trials and tribulations and fashion them over a shorter period of time. Some of us, God has to work on for a long period of time to get us to the point where we are to be Fashioned to fully like him and to be like Christ. And that's our hope and that's our glory, not just the physical things, but the spiritual application. And no leaven was to be found in the houses. We weren't to eat anything leavened cakes, cookies, breads. Um, they're leavening in a, a, a lot of things, and we, we become label readers. Remember? The label readers. This well, oh, pitch that out. It's got leavening in it. Mm, I didn't know there was baking soda in there. We read labels, and we pitch a lot of stuff out that we don't think. You know, uh, soup. It's got leavening in maybe some of the uh, 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 in, ingredients in that. So we have to become label readers. Now, final point here. Is in uh, back in Leviticus the 23rd chapter. Well, we're here. We'll just read this, verse 8. Uh, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Now we can be thankful we don't set fire to your offering and burn it up. It was painful for some of some really can't. I can't afford. To give to God. Now, we find when we first give our 10% and a little, the rest of it stretches further. When we try to cheat God and take care of the bills, there's not going to be enough there to go around, is there? We know from experience the first thing we do is we give God His portion, and boy, the rest of it, it just seems to stretch further. And that's what we do here when we come and we give an offering. Now, Here's where uh, we have seven holy days during the year, and we know uh, Pentecost and Trumpets and Atonement and Tabernacles and the Last Great Day and the two holy days in the in the spring time, uh, First Day and the Seventh Day of unleavened bread, and seven holy days when we take up an offering. But there's no restriction on any of us to give our offering seven days during unleavened bread. Now. It's a little more convenient since we write a check to do it the first day and do it the last day, and you can divide out. Let's see, I'm going to give an offering of this amount, seven hundred dollars. So what I'll do is maybe I'll give four hundred on the first day and three hundred on the last day, and you give seven hundred. Now, if you want to bother uh, Richard uh, or them at uh, Texas that uh, aren't we're going to pass a. Uh, offering plate around, when I say Texas, Church of God International, that's going to be at Wagner, and uh, can bother them and say, hey, uh, this is uh, the third day of unleavened bread, I want to give you an offering, okay. But if we all did that, it would be uh, a little cumbersome, so it's easier to do the same thing on the holy days. And that's how we justify, explain, traditionally, that's how we do it, because we're here, really in holy assembly on this day. We're working tomorrow at our job. Rest of the week and then on the Sabbath. So we don't have an occasion maybe to get together to give an offering or you can put it in the mail. Now, if you want to take your offering and divide it out among seven days and put it in the mail every day, a certain portion, uh, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. It's just a little easier, isn't it, to take it up when we're here on the... uh, Now, why am I hammering this? Because it's just basic but basic truths is what I'm talking about that advance into profound, deeper, spiritual. So what we've got to think of is the physical of being in Egypt and captive and bondage of sin and the parallels. I didn't spend a lot of time showing the application of those uh, fundamental types, but the physical as we advance and leave in the physical realm and then we take the spiritual and we compare leaving Egypt spiritually and advancing to the kingdom of God. So uh, that's that's enough uh, on that. I'm going to close because we have um, a uh, meal prepared that uh, we all brought uh, food to share in fellowship and I might say that uh, those who maybe didn't come or didn't intend or didn't know to stay to join us and we'll have uh, uh, plenty of food and some I think was left over from last night. Some probably left over from today but uh, maybe if we all share and eat we'll have less to take home. We can, we can eat more here. That's the way it works isn't it? Okay, uh, now let's think about this. We're covered by the blood of Christ. We grow. We overcome, we advance in good character through the grace, through the mercy and help of God and our whole being as Christ, our whole being is dedicated to Him. We remember all the way and that's that's another message about remembering and they were told to remember all this way. Remember all those examples and illustrations as they left Egyptian bondage, a type of Egyptian Uh, Sin in our life, advancing to the promised land, the kingdom of God. So today is just a little rehearsal, a little review of a few points of why we are here today, of why we are observing this first day of Unleavened Bread.